figured he was dying. Probably. I mean, that was years ago. Probably. Something in Something in over, I didn't even remember. Started. I'm gonna muster with little boys I have left. And we're gonna try to get through this. Okay, so today we're talking about pleasing Elohim. Yeah, so uh seeing that it's so light on the screen, you know, if you have your phone, you may want to go to YouTube live so you can actually um, see the slides. Uh, you know, pretty much I need a couple of uh, couple minutes to uh, get there, uh, about 30 seconds. <laughs> Alright, so our topic for today is pleasing Elohim. question because many people they just look for Elohim to please them. They don't really think about pleasing Elohim. They don't really think about are they pleasing Elohim. You know, much less are they thinking about are they living to please Elohim. You know, most most people come to Elohim for the benefits. You know, just so that they can their lives can be more pleasing to themselves, you know. But in all actuality, we should be living to please Elohim. You know, He is our end-all, be-all. And we should be living to please Him, not getting with Him so that we can be pleased. You know, and I think a lot of people don't understand that, you know, especially with uh, a lot of the doctrines that's taught today, which kind of makes Elohim into some type of, uh, uh, ATM machine, you know, for blessings, you know, they go, they need some money, you know, I'm going to pray, you know, they need something to happen in their life, or I'm going to pray. When everything's going well, no need to pray. You know, no need to offer anything to Elohim, you know, as long as everything is going well. But as soon as something's going bad, it's time to, you know, to pray. No, we should be living to please Elohim, you know, because just like it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. If you have someone in your life that only comes to you whenever they need something, you're going to start to resent when you see that person coming. 
And if you do Elohim, you know, uh, treat him in that manner, then likewise when he see you coming, you know, he's gonna turn his face. You know, so, you know, this is why we want to live a life that's pleasing to him, you know, even living for him. Then we can be, we can rest assured that he's always there, you know, to answer our call, you know, because we're always there trying to please him as well. You know, and that's really a picture of grace. You know, a lot of people don't understand what grace is. You know, they think it's just a free gift. You know, it's not that free. You know, it's a reciprocal system of favors. You know, so kind of I scratch your back, you scratch mine sort of thing. You know, it's not just one-sided. You just receive and, and y'all gets nothing. Or y'all just receives and we get nothing. No, it's reciprocal. You know, so we have to understand that, you know, and we have to look in the mirror and consider, are we living to please Elohim? Or are we just serving Elohim for what he can do for us? You know, is it one-sided as that? You know, uh, scripture says, when a man's ways please Yahuwah, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now that's a beautiful thing right there, right? I would tell you to, um, where the passage can be found, but I can hardly see it. All right, Proverbs 16, 7. Hallelujah. When a man's ways please Yahuwah, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, that's a beautiful thing right there, right? You know, so that should encourage each and every one of us to want to live in a way that's pleasing to Yahuwah. First Yochanan 3, 21 through 22 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before Elohim and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. You know, so this gives us some great insight. You know, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before Elohim and receive from him anything we ask. Bless you. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him, now, keeping his commandments is a part of what pleases him, but there's also some other things that, that pleases him outside of keeping his commandments, you know, and that's what we're going to get into today, exactly what pleases Elohim, what pleases the Most High, you know, this is what we want to this is what we want to understand. This is the message I'm trying to get across to you today so that you can have an understanding of what pleases Elohim so that you can actually live a life that is pleasing to Him so that you can have anything that you ask. Amen? Amen. Sound like a good deal to me. Not just you can have anything that you, that you like, not only in the here and now, but also in the hereafter, you know, for the eternity that's to come. Alright, so what we want to do is find out what pleases Yahoo. You know, and we're told to do this in Ephesians 5.10. Hallelujah. 
in Ephesians 5.10, it tells us to find out what pleases Elohim. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to find out what pleases the Adonai, what pleases our master and king. Amen. All right. Okay, how can I be sure that I'm pleasing Elohim? You know, we want to, a lot of times we think that this, that, or the other, but how can we be sure that we're actually living a life that's pleasing Elohim? You know, this is, um, this becomes crucial if this, if this is your objective. So we want to know how we can be sure that we're pleasing Elohim. We don't want to take such, something of such importance for granted. You know, fear not. You know, for your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, and the kingdom is for those who please. We're gonna find out just what it is to please him today. Hallelujah. Um, and so essentially I've enumerated nine nine things that you can say is required to preach to please Elohim. You know, and so we're gonna get into the first one. And the first one is actually faith. For scripture teaches that without faith it is impossible to please Elohim. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it is impossible to please Elohim. We must have faith in order to please Elohim. Now, we're even told that we live by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. But this begs the question of what is faith? You know, and this is a perfect example of what I was speaking about um, just uh, the other day. You know, and that is how since the enemy couldn't couldn't uh, destroy Yah's word, what he did was was messed with the definitions of his word. And faith is a perfect one, you know. Seeing that we're to live by faith, it's crucial that we understand what faith is. But what faith is from a scriptural perspective, not what faith is from our perspective. Amen. Or from a worldly perspective. That worldly perspective or our own perspective is null and void in conjunction to what scripture teaches us. So we want to understand what faith is scripturally speaking. And if we look at the Greek word that's translated faith throughout the Brick Kalashah or the, new, um, the KJV, the word that's translated as faith is actually pistis. It's number 4102 in your Strongs, and it speaks to persuasion, that is, of credence, a moral conviction of religious truth. So, faith is actually when you're persuaded by religious truth. Now, pistis is from the Greek root word pitho, number 3982, which means to persuade, that is, to induce one by words to believe, to persuade, generally to persuade another to receive or believe. Now, Without pith, though, you can't have pithis because pithis comes from pitho, 
you know, so let us consider a few uh, usages of this term that we might better understand it, better understand pitho and what faith is as spoken of in our in our scriptures. Okay, uh, let us consider Galatians 3.1. It says, O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that ye should not obey? Now, this word obey is pitho, which we've already determined speaks to one being persuaded by something. So, another way of saying this is, O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that ye should not be persuaded by the truth before whose eyes Yahushua Mashiach have been evidently set forth crucified among you. So what I want you to see is that we're to be persuaded by the truth. What is true? John 17, 17 teaches us thy word is true. So we're supposed to be persuaded by the word of Elohim. You know, and so this is how to just live by faith because they're persuaded by the word of Elohim. You know, and so from one persuasion to the next, they live. Also consider Galatians 5, 7, it says, Ye did run well, who did hinder you, that ye should not obey or be persuaded by the truth? And also, Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey, again, this is pitho, be persuaded by them that have rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you you know and so here it is we're being taught that we're to have uh we're to have pitho or we're to be persuaded by them that have ruled over you now here at bya there are some put in place that have ruled over you this is not an ordination of men. This is an ordination that was from on high. You know, and you know, it will serve you well if you would hit adhere to Hebrews 13, 17. You know, and be persuaded by them who AI has given rule over you. And submit yourselves. You know, because we're not here to lead you astray. We're here to lead you along the way. You know, even the way that leads us unto life. Amen. 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 All right. Also, let us consider Romans 10, 13 through 16. It says, well, um, yeah, okay. So it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Adonai shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah saying, Adonai, who have believed our report. Now, all of these words believe in this passage is pistuio, number 4100. You know, and it means to have faith, that is to be persuaded of. You know, so he's saying, how then shall they call on him whom they have not been persuaded of? You're not going to call on someone if you don't, if you're not persuaded that they can help you. You know, and he says, 
you know, how then shall they believe in him who they have not heard? You can't become persuaded by someone you've never heard. And then how shall they preach except they be sent? Now, unfortunately, a lot of people have found a way to do this one. They found a way to preach even though they haven't been sent. You know, a lot of folks sent themselves, you know, in today's time. But Yahshua warned us of this. He said it would happen. You know, so it shouldn't catch us by, um, off guard. In fact, he even gave us a measuring stick so that we might be able to tell who's who and what's what. And that measuring stick are the fruit. You should know them by, by their fruit, amen? All right, so what is what exactly is persuasion? We keep talking about being persuaded. Persuasion is the act of influencing the mind by, by arguments or reasons offered or by anything that moves the mind or passions or inclines the will to a determination. You know, this is roughly 1828 dictionary um, definition. You know, so we are to allow to allow our minds to be influenced by the truth. Alright, so Romans 10 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Elohim. So you may say, well, you know, I need more faith. No problem. This is how you get faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of Elohim. Now this word hearing doesn't mean just to audibly hear, it also means to understand and to do. Hence we're told we're not to be hearers of the word only, but also doers of the word. You know, so we have to learn to do the word. And the more that you do the word, the more your faith will increase. Because the more that you do the word, the more you'll see God work in your life. And when you, the more you see God work in the life, in your life, the more you're going to be persuaded to continue to adhere to His word. So this is how your faith increases. So if you don't have, you feel like your faith is weak, or you don't have enough faith, then you just need to find some more word to do. You know, so. You're not going to please Elohim without faith. It's impossible to please him without faith. So that was our number one thing that we need to incorporate into our lives if we're going to live a life that's pleasing to Elohim. Now we're going to go on to our second thing. You know, and the second thing that that we're going to need is to seek Yah. You know, Hebrews 11.6 says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen? You know, so we want to seek Elohim. You know, a lot of people don't seek him until after they have a problem. But we don't want to be like them. You know, we want to, we want to get ahead of things. You know, Amos 5.8 says, Seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion, and turneth the shadow of death into the morning, and maketh the day dark with night that calleth for the waters of the sea and pour them out upon the face of the earth. Yahuwah is his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is who we're seeking. Amen. You know, we're seeking him, but we want to seek Yahuwah while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Don't wait 
until you're in a dark situation and you're confounded, you know, and you don't know which way to go and then start calling on Yah. Because he's not found in the darkness. He's found in the light. Amen. You know, so seek him while he may be found and call on him while he's near. That is, when things are going well, don't wait until you're in a dark situation and then decide, I want to call on Yah. That is not the way the way it works. You know, because you may not get an answer. You know, Yah may not turn his face towards you. Consider First Chronicles 28.9. It says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the Elohim of thy father, and um, serve him with a perfect heart. A complete heart with your whole heart is what it's talking about and with a willing mind for Yahuwah searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the, of the thoughts and if thou seek him he will be found of thee but if thou forsake him he will cast thee off forever did you catch that if thou forsake him he will cast thee off forever you know so please understand this is not something to be taken lightly you know, you want to seek him, but you don't. You don't want to forsake him. You want to make certain. You want to make certain that you don't forsake him. Now, Second Chronicles fifteen two says, Yahuwah is with you when you are with him." Did you catch that? Yahuwah is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. You know, so that's something to be said about using them as an ATM machine, get what you want, and then, you know, run off until the next time. He's with you when you're with him. Now, if you seek him, he'll be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. See, and a lot of people think, you know, because they're commonly taught that, you know, you can do whatever you want while serving God. And he'll never leave or nor forsake you. No, you forsake him, he will forsake you. You know, he'll never leave nor forsake you when, as long as you're seeking him, as long as you're in him. But if you leave him, he's leaving you. You know, he's not going to beg you, you know, to, to be his, uh, to adhere to him. You know, so this is why. Scripture teaches us, blessed are they who keep the statutes and seek them with all their heart. You know, because those who do so shall be found of him. But those who don't, they'll never find him. And they'll just be left wondering. You know, Deuteronomy 4.29 says, but from, from there you will seek Yahuwah, your Elohim, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Some people haven't found him because they simply haven't given it their all. They seek him with half a heart. They don't seek him wholeheartedly. They, they just put in a little effort. You know, but you have to truly seek him with everything that you have. And if you do, you will find him. You know, so seeking Yahuwah Elohim is the second thing that you need to do to be pleasing to him. You know, now... We're going to get into the third thing. And the third thing is the fear of Yahuwah. The fear of Yahuwah is another thing that you need in order to be pleasing with, uh, with, 
um, to him. Now, a lot of people, when it comes to fear, a lot of you hear a lot of uh, I've heard many pastors and preachers or, or um, clergymen, you know, say that you know that fear is just simply reverence. You know, it's, it's not really like uh, to be afraid. You know, that God doesn't want you to be be scared of. It. Well, I'm here to tell you that fear means absolutely to be afraid. It means to be so afraid that you're shaking in your boots, your knees are knocking. You know, it means to be very afraid. You know, God wants us to fear Him because fear is one of the greatest motivators. You know, He wants He wants you to fear Him even as when you were a little child, you feared your father. You, or you feared whoever the disciplinarian um, that was over you. And if you didn't have one, you know, yeah, I got a good reference for you. <laughs> you know, but, you know, God wants us to fear him. Psalms 14, 147, 11 says, Yahuwah delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. You know, he delights in those who fear him who put their hope in his unfailing love. His love speaks to his commandments. You know, so those who fear him, you know, they will do what he said. You know, and those who put their hope in doing what he says, he's going to come to their aid every time. You know, so I encourage you to do just that. Now, Deuteronomy 10, 12, goes on to say, and now, Israel, what do if Yahuwah thy Elohim require of thee? but to fear Yahuwah thy Elohim, to walk in all his ways. So he wants us to fear him. He wants us to walk in all his ways. Walking in his ways speaks to his more his Moedim. That is his appointed times. You know, he has times, you know, or appointments when he wants us to meet up with him. You know, he'll be there. You, you can take him at his word. The question is, will we be there? That's the whole thing. You know, and if we were not there, then we just missed the appointment. You know, and so if we miss all his appointments, then when we call on him, it, it, don't be surprised if he don't be there for you. Say lot. You know, so to walk in all his ways, you know, speaks to walking in his in his more deep and to love him. You know, and to serve Yahuwah thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul. You know, no. To uh, to love him also speaks to you know doing what he says, as we just went over. But to serve Yahuwah, man, that one right there, that one right there, that one got me. That one got me. But when I first um, you know, uh, received the name of the dial from on high, you know, I'm thinking like. Okay, this is what I'm doing, you know, because I'm spending all my time in His Word, and I'm and I'm learning of Him. I'm truly seeking Him, you know. He's He's active in my life, you know. And I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm serving Him, you know. I'm serving Him because I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing all these things. But I'm here to tell you that you're not serving Yah until you begin to serve His people. Serving His people is serving Him. See, because Yahshua has a many-member body. So when you serve a member of that many-member body, you're serving Him. Amen? You know, so you need to serve Him to be pleasing to Him. 
you know he's equipped some things you know um some 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 things that you have some qualities that you have you know just for his servitude to be utilized by him now that's not to say that you can't utilize it for something else if you so choose but he gave them to you so that you can utilize them for him first and foremost you know and you know if you're like me you know i'm kind of introverted you know i can spend all my time you know and, and with yah and his word and you know i don't i don't need much company you know um you know i don't have to have a bunch of people around me you know one or two would do amen you know um but some people that you know they're extroverts and so that's not them you know but know this you know, to serve Yah, you know, I, I used to think like, you know, I'm good, you know, I spend my time with Yah, no. To serve Him, you have to serve His people, you know, and so, that's one that took me a while to, to grasp, you know, so I figure I'd just throw that out there and it's found on it a bit, so that you don't make the same mistake I did, thinking that, you know, I'm good just because I spend all my time with Yah, no. No, I, you know, not so. Now he goes on to say, um, you're to do this with all thy heart and with all thy soul. So you don't just half-heartedly do this either. You know, you have to serve him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. You know, and that means serving his people with all thy heart and all thy soul. And as many of you know, his people can sometimes get on your nerves. They can get on your left nerve as well as your right nerve. They can get on your upper nerve as well as your bottom nerve. You know, y'all's people are specialists at getting on your nerves at times. You know, but this is why he gave us a fruit tree. You know, and I've never seen a fruit tree that pick and choose whom it wants to give this fruit to. Say la. You know, so that was number three. Now we're going to get into number four. And the fourth thing, you know, we, we need in order to be pleasing to Elohim is we need to become spiritually minded. We need to become spiritually minded. Many of us, you know, we, we get into seeking God and we get the fear of Elohim and we gather some faith, you know, but many of us don't become spiritually minded and so we're still operating in life via our carnal mind and this is not you're not going to please Elohim in this manner in order to become um, fully pleasing to fully pleasing you're going to have to become spiritually minded you know so let us consider Romans 8 um, 5 from 10 uh, my throat is getting dry, so I'm going to ask for some help. Somebody want to read Romans 8, 5 through 5 through 10. For they that are after the flesh, do you mind the things of the flesh? But they that are after the Ruach, the things of the Ruach. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against Elohim, for it is not subject to the law of Elohim, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please Elohim. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Ruach. If so be that the Ruach of Elohim dwells within you. 
Now, if any man hath not the Ruach of Messiah, he is none of his. And if the Messiah, and if Messiah be, and if Messiah be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Ruach is life because of righteousness. Hallelujah. So here it is, it tells us for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. You know, so what are the things of the flesh? You know, that's the things of this of this carnal world. You know, um, you know, their number one concern is houses and cars and you know and, and jewelry and clothes and and going here and doing this and doing that. You know, this is what's of the utmost importance for them. This is how they gather their joy in life. You know, but those who are after the Ruach, you know, they do mind the things of the Ruach. They, their motivation for the things they do is to please Elohim. You know, for, to be carnally minded is death. You know, all these temporal things, these physical things that we see in our day and time, you know, are gonna be done away with. You know, and so I want you to understand that if you're living for these things, they're only temporal. And even though you may have a wonderful life in the here and now, you know, you'll spend an eternity in misery. You know, but the spiritually minded is life and peace. Now also, you know, when you mind the things of the flesh, and even when you accomplish or you acquire all the things that you're seeking after, you know, the money, the houses, the cars, etc. You know, you'll find that there's no peace that comes with it. If, in all actuality, you'll find oftentimes that there is a great lack of peace. You know, because at that point, you don't know who's in your life for those things or just simply because of you. It's hard to determine who truly loves you or just love, you know, the things that you can do. You, be, you become an object of desire for many different reasons. You know, so um, first, um, first seven spoke of the carnal mind being enmity against Elohim. I mean, it's that war, it's its enemy. For it's not subject to the law of Elohim. It's not subject to his Torah. And so if you understand that, then you also have to understand that when you're keeping Torah, you know, you're, you're perturbing the enemy. You're getting him riled up at you. You know, and so you're going to have to choose a side because, you know, you can't serve two masters. So then we had uh, verse 8 which says those who are in the flesh cannot please Elohim. So as long as you're living for these other things, you can't please Elohim. You know, but we're not called to be in the flesh but the Ruach. You know, but if you don't have the Ruach, then you're not going to be Yahshua. You know, some folks are just, they're not Yahshua, they're just hanging out with Yahshua's people. I'm going to say that again. Some folks, they're not Yahshua's, they're just hanging out with Yah's people. And they're trying to make their mind up as to whether or not they want to become one of Yah's people. And that's fine. But those who are Yah's people need to recognize who these people are. 
you know, and try to encourage them, serve God by trying to, to encourage them and, and, you know, get them to commit one way or the other. You know, uh, because without his Ruach, you're none of his. You know, and without his Ruach, you're not going to be able to please him. You know, it says in verse 10, because of sin, and if Messiah being you, the body is dead because of sin. You know, but the Ruach is life because of righteousness. And so, you know, there's, there's, there are those who follow Yahshua who are going to be father from above and, you know, from Ruach HaKadosh, and they will, they will go on into everlasting life. You know, but this body of flesh, thank you, this body of flesh, is actually going to die. Hence we read in scripture it says it's appointed to every man to die once. You know, this flesh is going to die. It's temporal. It can't live forever. You know, so why would you live for something that you know is going to die and not live for something that you know is going to live forevermore? You know, it's not worth the little temporal gratification that you may obtain from stuff. You know, stuff that when you're gone, you know, somebody else gonna squander for you. I've seen that happen many a time. You know. Now, the Ruach is only life because of righteousness. And there's this doctrine that's going around that's very prevalent, prevalent, you know, in many folks that call themselves the body of Messiah. You know, and they think that they're made right simply because they've accepted Yahshua as their Adonai and their Savior. And they think that, you know, because they said the sinner's prayer, they said a few words that they're automatically um, made righteous and saved and once saved, always saved, and, you know, they don't have anything else to worry about, you know, um, from here on out. And that's just not the truth. You know, many teach Yahshua fulfilled the law so that we wouldn't have to. And that's just absolutely incorrect. Yahshua actually fulfilled the law so we know how to. You know, and that's what it's about. It's about it's about us learning how to fulfill the law like Yahshua did. That is by walking like he walked, talking like he talked, doing the things that he did. You know, but don't take my word for it. Let's see what scripture teaches concerning the issue. You know, if we uh, consider, this is First Yochanan 3, 4 through 10, you know, it tells us about righteousness and it tells us, you know, uh, a little bit about those who think they're, <clears throat> they're made righteous without actually being righteous. Let me have my next reader read First Yochanan 3, 4 through 10, please. Whoever so, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He hath 
He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Elohim was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of Elohim doeth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of Elohim. In this the children of Elohim are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of Elohim, neither he that loveth not his brother. Alright, so, how many of you, of you have heard the saying that, uh, Uh, that uh, I forgot the saying. <laughs> you know. All right, so we'll go from a different angle. For sin is the transgression of the law. Oh, uh, you know. Yeah, I remember the saying. How many of you heard the saying that scripture defines scripture? How many of you believe that scripture defines scripture? Well, this is scripture defining scripture. The definition of sin is given to us in 1st Yoke 3-4. This is the definition of sin. And the definition of sin is transgression of the law. The law speaking of Torah. You know, so this is the very definition of sin. Yet you have most quote-unquote Christians tell you that the law is done away with. You know, if the law is done away with, then that's essentially saying that you have license to sin. But here it is, we see Yochanan, who is one of the 12, 12 apostles, clearly defining what sin is as transgression of the law and telling us that we need to do it. So how or where do they get the doctrine that the law is done away with? You know, that you don't have to to keep the law. Yah's law. Not man's law. We're talking about Yah's law. There's a difference between man's law and Yah's law. Yah's law came directly from Yah. Man's law came through man. Simple as that. You know. So, sin is transgression of the law. And verse 5 tells us why Yahshua came. He came to take away our sins. You know, so he came to take away our transgressions of the law. And in that respect, he's talking about man's law. Because when you speak to any other Yahudim, they'll tell you, when you start talking about the law, they have two different um, laws. They have the written law and they have the oral law. And so a lot of people get misconstrued into thinking that the oral law is the written law. The oral law is what was done away with. The written law can't be done away with because it is of Elohim. And Elohim is eternal. And the word of Elohim is eternal. You know, because the word of Elohim is Yahshua. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. As scripture teaches. Amen. You know, so... Whosoever abideth in Yah sinneth not. You know, and don't be fooled by these people who say that you don't have to 
do Yah's commands, that you don't have to do what he said. You know, this is why Yochanan says in verse 7, let no man deceive you, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. There's no way you're going to become righteous without doing righteously. You would think that was common sense, but apparently common sense is not all that common anymore. You know, verse 8 says, he that committeth sin is of the devil. Well, so what is committing sin? What is he talking about? He who transgressed the law is of the devil. But they'll tell you that you don't have to keep the law. That it's okay to transgress the law. Can't you not see that that's a doctrine of devils? He's telling you right there. He says, whosoever is born of Elohim do not commit sin. And this is how you can tell the children of Elohim versus the children of the devil. The children of Elohim, they don't commit sin. The children of the devil, they don't do righteously. That's how you can tell. Whoever doeth not righteousness is not of Elohim. That's verse 10. That's scripture. That's word. Say lie. You know, I, I don't I don't even see how that trick people up. I mean it's it's really quite plain. Alright, um let me have my next reader read Romans eight twelve through eighteen, please. Therefore, brethren, we are doers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the rock do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the rock of Elohim, they are the sons of Elohim. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage against the fear. But we have received this Ruach of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Ruach itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of Elohim. And if the children then hears, hears of Elohim and join hears with Messiah, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are noteworthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. So hereby we learn that if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if ye through the Ruach mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So it's the Ruach that help us to mortify the deeds of the body. And if you do so, you shall live. For as many that are led by the Ruach, they are the sons of Elohim. This is this was what we we want to we want to be the sons of Elohim, the children of the Most High El. And that's only going to happen if it be that we suffer with them. You know how do we suffer? We suffer by crucifying our flesh, by mortifying our members daily. You know by resisting what we our our natural or fleshly carnal nature wants. We defy it. We suffer because we don't give it what it wants. You know, so many of us give into it. And unfortunately, that'll cause us to die. We have to stand strong. 
you have to let the Ruach lead and guide you, and then you have to suffer because of it. You know, yes, sometimes, you know, you may want this, that, or the other, but if you suffer, you know, it is nothing in comparison to how our Messiah suffered. It's nothing in comparison to how the apostles suffered. It's nothing in comparison to how some will suffer, you know, in the end times. You know, so if all you have to deal with is giving up some stuff of the flesh right now, man, you got it easy. You know? So, Paul says in verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall reveal, be revealed in us. You know, and so I want you to consider the trade-off. You know, yeah, you may go through a little stuff um, in the here and now. People may, you know, look at you like you're some type of clown or like you're crazy. You know, you're doing this stuff in the book, you know, don't nobody do that no more. It don't take all that, you know, but at the end of the day, you can point to the book and say, this is why I do what I do. You can point to the book and say, this is what I believe in. You can point to the book and say, this is how I live my life. And you can look at that person in the eye and you can say, why did you do what you do? What's governing over your life besides you? They can't answer. Not in the affirmative concerning scripture. Yet, they may proclaim to be a believer. As long as we can point to the word and show why we do what we do, we're in God's hands. When you can't point to the word to show why you do what you're doing, why you live your life the way you live your life, then you know you're in the enemy's hands. So, we're going to move on to number five. And number five is the Ruach HaKodesh. Because we can't be led by the Ruach HaKodesh if we don't have the Ruach HaKodesh. And the Ruach HaKodesh speaks to the Holy Spirit. You know, so if we don't have the Spirit, you know, to lead and guide us, then we're not going to be able to please Him very, very much. You know, so how do we get the Ruach HaKodesh? How do we get His Holy Spirit? You know, it's just how do we receive it? You know, and good thing for us scripture teaches us just how that is done it's found in acts 2 36 through 39 can i have the next reader read acts 2 36 through 39 and then galatians 3 2 please acts 2 36 therefore let all the house of israel know assuredly that elohim had made that same Yahushua, whom we have crucified, both Adonai and Messiah. Now, when they heard this, <clears throat> they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yahushua HaMashiach, for the remission. I don't what is that word? Remission of sins. Remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Ruach HaKadosh. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Adonai of Elohim shall call. 
Galatians 3.2. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Ruach by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Hallelujah. Okay, so hereby we learn um, how to receive the Ruach HaKodesh and it's via repentance. Therefore, we can utilize the Ruach HaKodesh to please y'all. You know, in order to do that, we must first have repentance. You know, and so we have to repent and be baptized in the name of Yahushua in order to receive his Ruach. You know, being baptized in the name of Yahushua speaks to being baptized into his character, authority, and reputation um, for the remission of our sins. You know, but what does repentance mean? You know, and this is another one of the imperative semantics, you know, um, but in order to be pleasing to Elohim, we're going to have to understand what true repentance is, you know, and so that is our number six thing that we need to know and understand in order to live a life pleasing to Elohim. We need to understand what true repentance is, and we must obtain some true repentance. Amen. Amen. You know, so Luke 15, 7, it tells us, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need not to repent. Did you catch that? Yeah. You know, y'all want to turn those who are in error from the error of their ways. This is why James, you know, in, in the book of James it says, whoever, you know, do so, whoever turn one from the error of their ways will cover a multitude of sins. You know, because there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repented and over 99 righteous who, who need not to repent. You know, so y'all wants us to get it right. You know, and if we don't have it right and he brings the truth across our path, he wants us to repent. Amen? Amen. You know, now, can't very well repent if you don't know what it is. So we're going to define the word repentance. Now, the root meaning of repent, the Greek word repent, you know, that's translated as repentance, metanoia, you know, and the root of it, it means to think differently. See, and you ask the average Christian, what does repentance mean? And they'll tell you it means to turn and go the other way. That's not what it means. They'll tell you it means to turn around and, and, and go the opposite direction. That's not what it means. It means to think differently or to reconsider. Virtually all the Greek lexicons agree that metanoia is to reconsider or to change one's mind. This is what true repentance is. You know, like you may grew up thinking that it's okay to sin. Well, if you repent, you no longer think that way. You think differently. You've reconsidered it. Because maybe you read 1 John 3. You know, and it tells you that sin, um, 1 John 3, 4 tells you that sin is transgression of the law. So maybe you ran across that passage and you repent. That is, you think differently about sin now. You reconsidered the situation. You've changed your mind because of scripture. 
that's repentance. Now there is an element of sorrow, you know, or remorse that plays into it. But essentially, repentance speaks to to think differently and to change one's mind. So that's number six. Number seven is actually uprightness. You're not going to be pleasing the Elohim if you are not living uprightly. You know, hence the name of our our assembly is Bet Yesharun, which means house of the upright. We are they who are to live uprightly. Amen. You know, so we want to have that uprightness. Now, First Chronicles 29, 17 says, I know also, my Elohim, that you try the hearts and have pleasure in uprightness. You know, and so uprightness is something that's pleasing to Elohim. And so if we're going to live a life that's pleasing to Elohim, we're going to have to live a life that's upright. You know, so please understand. Now, speaking of the book of James, we're going to take a look at um, the book of James, um, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. My next reader, please. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of Elohim that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth braideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not the man for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Adonai. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Hallelujah. You know, so if you're gonna pray, don't pray doubting or wavering. You know, but he who waver or doubt is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. You know, that driven with the wind, you know, speaks to being driven by spirit and tossed. And that's not the Ruach You know, so if you're going to pray, then don't worry. And if you're going to worry, don't pray. Or if you're going to pray, don't waver. And if you're going to waver, don't pray. Amen? Amen. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So when we pray, we want to trust God. You know, and if we're in his will... And we're following his ways and and we're living for his purposes then there's no reason that he won't answer our life and there's no reason he won't answer our prayers you know there's absolutely no reason he won't hear us we can we can trust that he will you know and this doesn't only apply, apply to our prayer life it applies to our life as a whole you know so Moving on to number eight. Number eight thing that we need to do in order to be pleasing to Yah, um, to be pleasing to Yahuwah, is to actually follow. Who are we following? We're following Yahshua HaMashiach. Yahuwah, the anointed. We're not going to be pleasing to Yahuwah Elohim without following his son, Yahushua HaMashiach. You know, so Matthew Yahoo 17 5 says, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud was said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And you're not going to be pleasing to 
our Heavenly Father without following and hearing, that is obeying His Son, Yahshua. You know, Yoka 9.8.29 says, The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. And so, if we're going to follow Yahshua, we're going to always do those things that please Him. Makes sense to me. Hallelujah. You know, now, Hebrews 13.20-21 says, uh, now may the Elohim of peace, who brought up the Adonai Yahshua from, from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of everlasting covenant, make you <coughs> complete in every good work to do his will. Working in, working in you what is well pleasing in the sight through Yahushua Mashiach. And in the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, so. Yahshua brought his own commandments. You know, well, they're not his own. They're, they're the fathers. Even as those that was given to Moshe was his fathers. You know, but Yahshua did bring a continuance or an uh, addendum to what Moshe brought. You know, he brought some separate commandments that we're to adhere to. And that's truly how he fulfilled the law even by supplying what was missing and what was missing was the commandments that will bring about everlasting life because Torah was never the Torah, the prophets and the writings was never meant to bring about everlasting life it was only meant to bring about a, a prosperous life in the here and now but not the hereafter in order to obtain that you have to follow Yahshua you know, and that's where the Yahoo went astray. They thought they could do it with Father. You know, so now the ninth thing that we need to do in order to be pleasing to Elohim, you know, is to sacrifice. Now we read throughout the Old Testament about the sacrificial system and all these sacrifices that that the saints that preceded us has done. You know, and the whole sacrificial system that was uh, given to Israel, you know, and don't think for a moment that that is just totally obliterated, it is not, it's first and natural, then the spiritual, no, we're not going out and, and um, slaying bulls and goats and sheep, you know, but we are sacrificing, we're not sacrificing innocent, the innocent flesh of these, of these um, the flesh of these innocent animals, we're sacrificing the flesh that's on our bones. You know, we're sacrificing our own flesh, amen? You know, we're becoming living sacrifices. You know, and this is quite pleasing to Elohim when we become a living sacrifice. You know, so Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of Elohim's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Elohim. The KJV says, holy and acceptable to Elohim. This is your true and proper worship. You know, um, and KJV says, this is your reasonable service. You know, and it goes on to say, you know, uh, having your minds, you know, uh, not having your minds transformed 
you know, to the mind of Yahshua, not not um, walking in the carnal mind, in other words, but having your mind renewed, transformed, not transformed to this world, but renewed in in Yahshua. You know, if you follow Yahshua's commandments, words and sayings, it will transform your mind. You know, and all you have to do is just simply walk therein. And you will become one of those living sacrifices. And this is our call. This is what we're called to do. You know, so I implore you to do just that. Philippians 4.18 says, Your gifts are like fragrant offerings to Elohim, a sacrifice that Elohim accepts and is pleasing to him. So we want to offer um, sacrifices often, you know, if we're going to live a life that's pleasing to him. What kind of offerings are we going to give him? Well, it's not going to be no animals like we just said you know Romans 14 16 through 18 says therefore do not let your, your good be spoken of as evil for the kingdom of Elohim is not eating and drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in Ruach HaKadosh for he who serves Messiah in these things is acceptable to Elohim and approved by men you know and these make some wonderful sacrifices righteousness peace and, and joy in the Ruach you know, and righteousness is a sacrifice. Then we have Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. It says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, hallelujah, to Elohim, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share with such sacrifices. Elohim is well pleased. You know, so sacrifice and praise and thanksgiving giving up the fruit of our lips you know is something that's pleasing to to Yah so we want to offer up the sacrifice of praise you know uh, whenever we can and that's something we can do literally anywhere we are amen you know we can sacrifice give a sacrifice of praise to Yah anywhere we are and whenever we like you know and then Psalms 50:14 says, "Offer the Elohim sacrifice of thanksgiving." You know, you can thank Yah even in the worst of situations, in the worst of circumstances. You can still offer Him a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And then you have prayer, fasting, and alms, almsgiving, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. These are also sacrifices. These are sacrifices that are quite pleasing to Yah. You know. Consider what uh, Ezra did in Ezra 8, 21 through 23. It says, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava. You know, Ahava actually means love. So this is like the river of love. I just, you know, I figure I'll point that out because it's a beautiful picture. It goes on to say that we might humble ourselves before Elohim to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, for our children and all of our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king the hand of our Elohim is for good on all who seek him. Did you catch that? The hand of our Elohim is good on all who seek him. All. All means all. And the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. And again, all means all. So we fasted and implored our Elohim for this, and he listened to our entreaty. Hallelujah. You know, so if you want to be pleasing to God, 
fasting is a way to do it. It's not the only way, but it is a way. And it's a good way. You know, so if we're going to lead a life, a life that's pleasing to Elohim, you know, I leave you with this. First Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. It says, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Adonai Yahushua, that as ye have received of us how ye are ought to walk and please Elohim, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Adonai Yahushua, for this is the will of Elohim, even your sanctification. The commandments, words, and sayings of Yahshua, you know, is the will of Elohim, and they will sanctify thee. That you should abstain from fornication. You know, there's a physical fornication and there's a spiritual fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. You know, and this is what Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings, as well as Torah. You know, this is what they do for us. They teach us how to sanctify our vessels, you know, and how to keep them in honor. Verse 5, not in lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not Elohim. The lust of concupiscence speaks to a longing or a lusting for that which is forbidden, that which is which is deemed forbidden, forbidden by Yah. You know, so some people, you know, they they long for their neighbor's goods, you know, and so they covet that of their neighbors, or they long for, um, for this or for that, you know, which they know is forbidden of God, but they want it anyway. And so that's what it's been spoken of by the lust of confidences. You know, verse 6 goes on to say that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. You know, go beyond, and that word defraud actually means to cover his brother in any matter. You know, so um, be satisfied with what you have, in other words. You know, it says, because that the Adonai is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Don't you know that Yah avenges his people? And that's another thing. You know, a lot of people, you know, when they're wrong, they want to get back at the person. That is not of Elohim. Yah doesn't want you to take vengeance on yourself. He'd rather you take vengeance on somebody else. You know, take vengeance for your loved one. You know, but he don't want you to take vengeance for yourself. Because vengeance is his, I say, of Yahuwah. You know, he will use someone else or some set of circumstances to, to, um, to avenge you if he need to. Perfect picture of that is David, you know, and Nabal. You know, David wanted to get back at Nabal, but Abigail, his um, Nabal's wife, came and deterred him and Yah took vengeance on his behalf. And it what didn't take long, you know, and Nabal was dead. Amen? Amen? You know, so that just shows you, you know, and actually Abigail forewarned David and told him, you know, don't sin by taking vengeance on your own behalf. And he adhered to what she said. You know, he actually repented. He thought differently about the situation. And he reconsidered it and he didn't do what he was planning on doing. So it's also a beautiful picture of repentance. Amen? Amen. Alright, so um, it goes on to say that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel of sanctification 
and honor, uh, what did I leave off? Oh, verse 7. For Elohim have not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. You know, that was one of the things that the priests were given to Israel for. You know, was to teach them to how to remain clean and holy. To remain clean and holy. And this is why we need Torah. Because Torah teaches us how to become and remain clean and holy. And you're not going to be pleasing to Elohim if you're not clean or you're not holy. Because he's a clean and holy El. Amen? You know, and lastly, he therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but Elohim, who have also given us his rock Kodesh. You know, so if you despise the way of the word or the way that the servant of the word tells you or shows you that the word is and how it goes, you're not despising them, you're despising Elohim himself. You know, even as the people of Israel, when they murmured, murmured against Moses and Aaron, they wasn't murmuring against Moses and Aaron, they were murmuring against Yah. And they didn't feel the wrath of, of Moses and Aaron, they felt the wrath of Yah. Well, that's all I have for you today. I pray it was a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, we'll take any questions at this time. Back here. Um, so one spiritually minded would... Okay, how about I ask this? Um, would you say one spiritually minded has the Ruach HaKadosh, or you have to have the Ruach HaKadosh to become spiritually minded? Or neither of the two? Well, you can become spiritually minded um, simply through the Word. You know, nevertheless, the Ruach HaKadosh has to come, come upon you. It's not automatic. So then they're not synonymous to each other. Not exactly. Okay. Okay. Hi, Hi Pastor. With this fall under repentance, under reconsider, I was at at the dog park walking my dog. And I went to sit down, and I looked down, and it was a wallet on the ground. So, you know, I picked the wallet up. There was a lot of money in it. <laughs> and so I put the wallet back on the ground, and I took the money. And so I'm walking away, and I see this man coming towards my direction. And I knew then <clears throat> I was going to have to give the money up. I knew it was him coming back for his wallet. So, no problem, it was him, he asked me, did I find a wallet, yeah, here's your money. But, I had to repent. So ask, you know, do you, at first I thought I did the right thing, but after I got home I thought about it. I had to reconsider what transpired. And, um, I, I'm sure his wallet had his license in there, and so, I should have like tried to call this person before I had, you know, took the whole wallet, returned the wallet with the money in it. Because if you take something from somebody and you know who it belongs to, you're, you're stealing it, right? So 
So that was reconsidering. I had to reconsider. Would that fall under repentance? Yeah, that's a type of repentance. Um, but I would just critique that a little bit, you know, because when you took the money off the wallet, you were stealing. Um, you know, um, especially when you put the wallet back empty. Right. You know. Right. So you know. Um, now, if you would have just put the wallet back with the money still in it, yeah, I mean, but if you put it back with the money still in it, back on the ground, you know, then that would have been in order. If, or, if or, you didn't want to go through the trouble of getting the license out and contacting I the guy. Yeah. yeah. Instead of leaving it on the ground for somebody else's I would want to get the blessing. I could have got a reward. <laughs> Possibly, you know, but you could have left it on the ground for him to come back and find it. You know, because he probably knew, like, you know, where the last place I was was sitting over here. And so he would go back and look there. Oh, there it is. But at least you reconsidered it, yes. And that is repentance. Anyone else? I'll sit online. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. No other questions. Then we're going to take a, take a five-minute break and come back and we'll get our praise on. Amen. Hallelujah.